This program may include depictions of health conditions that could be distressing for certain listeners. The views expressed in this program belong solely to the individuals featured and do not represent the opinions of Himalaya Wellness Company or GeoSav. It is important to note that this program is not intended to defame any individual, entity, caste, community, race or religion, nor to disparage any institution or person, whether living or deceased. It should be understood that this program is not a replacement for professional medical advice. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to The House of Wellness, Season 2, powered by Himalaya Wellness Company, streaming on Geo Seven. Welcome to the House of Wellness, powered by Himalaya Wellness Company. Himalaya is one of the leading global herbal healthcare brands that has been harnessing the science of Ayurveda since the 1930s. We are present in over 100 countries, spreading the promise of wellness in every home and happiness in every heart to millions of homes around the globe. Welcome to the House of Wellness Season 2, a podcast powered by Himalaya Wellness Company. This season, we embark on a journey exploring the various facets of holistic wellness through our conversations with influential personalities from the health, sports, and social sectors. Each episode focuses on a specific theme, such as mindfulness, sustainable living, nutrition, and mental health, uncovering insights into leading a balanced and holistic lifestyle. House of Wellness Season 2 is designed to empower you with knowledge and inspiration, making wellness a fundamental part of your journey. Tune in to embark on a healthier and happier life. I am Charu Sharma and today we have a smashing guest, Ashwini Ponappa. Ashwini has conquered the world of Indian badminton with her remarkable skills and unwavering dedication. She is a force to be reckoned with on the badminton court. Known for her lightning-fast smashes and a smile that can light up an entire stadium. Hello, Ashwini. Thank you for accepting our invitation. Good to have you. Thank you so much for having me. All right, it's been a fabulous journey. At an early age, especially coming out of Kodagu, where we see so much sporting talent, I suppose you could have chosen virtually any sport to excel in. What led you to badminton? Well, for me, my parents were the ones who put me into the sport. My dad is a hockey player. And most people ask me, why am I not a hockey player? I think it was easy for them to put me into badminton specifically because there was a badminton court right next to where my dad was working. And when I was pretty young, my mom gave me a badminton racket and apparently I was really good at contacting a paper ball she threw. <laughs> so that's what led them into putting me into badminton. Well, that's hockey's loss, by the way, because what if we'd hand you a little hockey stick? <laughs> I don't know how that would have been, but yeah, my brother played hockey instead of me. It takes a lot of hard work and dedication and focus and concentration, we can use all the right terms, to break through because it's easy to get pretty good in sport, any sport, to an extent. But then there are thresholds and to cross the threshold to even get to the national level, because India has a pretty good badminton standard, surely would have required more out of you. And when did that realization happen that, all right, let's make a really big push in this sport? Well, like you rightly said, in India, your state level, your district level is the start and it's not easy to get to the top in your state level. So that's where it all started for me. And the first goal in my badminton journey was being the state champion and getting onto the state team. So that started when I was about under 13 and I made the first Karnataka state team, followed by going for the nationals and then winning the silver medal at the nationals. Open? And 
or age? Under 13. Okay. Under 13. <laughs> so that's where it started. And I think the first step in any sporting career is these little hurdles that you need to cross. And as you cross those hurdles, you get to bigger ones. So after getting to the nationals and being the runner-up, the next aim was to win the nationals. And I happened to win my first national title in the sub-junior girls category along with my partner. And that's when my doubles journey started because although I was a singles player and all of us trained only for singles because back in the day, no one really trained for doubles. Doubles was something that was natural to me. And I was a national champion in doubles and not in singles. Singles had gone as far as reaching the semi-finals of the nationals. Yeah, I think the game changer for me was making it on to the junior national team as part of the Indian team for the Asian Badminton Championship. And that's where my parents were like, okay, badminton is something that Ashwini can take on seriously. And I had their complete support. Fantastic, because you need parental support because there's so many pushes and pulls in life. In the world of sport, you know, the bigger rewards, if I can use that term, I don't mean any disrespect, tend to be in the singles arena, the bigger attention, the bigger fame and so on and so forth. Did you ever regret the decision that, oh gosh, I wish I'd continued with singles or did you just develop an early affinity, as you said, for doubles and said, that's fine, I'm okay with doubles? While I've always enjoyed playing doubles, there was a part of me that still believed that I could do well in singles. Confession time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I would say I wasn't overly thrilled when I was asked to stop playing singles and focus on doubles. But you were asked to, it wasn't quite no, your No, it wasn't voluntarily. Ah. I didn't voluntarily stop and say that, okay, I don't want to play singles anymore and I want to focus completely on doubles. But at that point in time, no one really focused on doubles. Doubles wasn't even an event where people stopped playing singles and completely focused on. It was tricky because I remember clearly when I was asked not to play, I was in tears. I was like, oh my God, I've been asked not to play singles. And I was very, very reluctant. But then fortunately for me, things worked out with Jwala and I having won the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, and hopefully you'll get to play singles uh, in various situations all your life as you go along. There's a lot of senior badminton as well. Later, <laughs> not now. Okay, uh, well, you talked about the big one, the Commonwealth Games 2010 medal, which of course, the goal was fabulous. And I'm going to get back to all the medals a little later. But if I was to stay in the early part of your life, what advantages did you have? Did you have a nutritional advantage over others or training advantage or more facilities? Or what is it that you felt, apart from your own hard work, you had, which are necessary for sporting wellness? Quite a bit, actually. For starters, I was in Bangalore. I mean, I grew up here and I had the access of also going to one of the best academies, the Prakash Padukone Academy. And I was selected into the academy when I was about 12 and a half. So that was the start because I was training against the best, with the best of the best. And we had loads of seniors. We had national camps there. It was a very good environment for me to start my badminton journey. But I would say apart from that, there's a lot that actually went on behind the scenes to get me to where I am. And starters was actually going and meeting a mental coach at that point in time when I was about 12 and a half. Because uh, when I initially started playing in my under 10 and under 13 days, I would always lose in singles to my partner. And my mom felt like, okay, it's because I didn't want to hurt my partner. I couldn't play against her. Exactly, exactly. So that's how she found out about, I've gone to like counselors and psychologists, but <laughs> that didn't really work. But she found out about an NLP trainer, Ashlesh, and I went to him and I would say that experience was a game changer for me. Because you want to expand NLP for uh, all those listening? It's neuro-linguistic program. It's about programming your mind and how you view things and reframing things in your head. For me in particular, at that point in time was how my approach to the game 
was framed in my mind and how I looked at it. And the key word here for me was enjoyment and understanding that I could enjoy the entire process, enjoy the pressure, enjoy being on code, enjoy the expectations that my parents, coaches, everyone had on me. Because it gets really hard when you have a lot of expectations and you When you're that young, particularly, yeah, you can't process it all. Exactly, when you're that young. And having someone get through to me and understand what I needed in order for me to get past that first hurdle. And funnily, I've worked with him for like a month and then I won my first title. So I would say that was definitely a game-changing moment. I know that when you enjoy stuff, enjoy what you're doing, it makes things a lot easier. And that's probably my mantra to like enjoy everything that I do. Across fields, I think it's about reframing your thought process. That's the key takeaway from being yeah. with an NLP trainer. Well, I hope you enjoy this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's stay with the mental end of it, because that's obviously a very important aspect of not only succeeding in sport, but in life itself. We're talking about holistic wellness, where mental health, uh, mental focus, everything to do with the mind is so important. Now, we can't exactly control our minds all the time, but surely by now, you've developed a little more understanding and appreciation of the amount of mental conditioning that goes into succeeding. Anything you want to do in life, certainly sport. Do you want to expand on that? Are you more aware now? Do you propagate it more? Most definitely I do. But I also do understand you're either built with it or you've got to work towards getting your mental side stronger. Because I've seen a lot of my peers who are very strong mentally and they haven't really gone through having worked with anyone to get mentally stuff. They just are. But for me, it was this whole process of working towards things and having to work things out in my head. And I've understood that over the years, our mind's powerful. It is really powerful and thoughts can manifest in different ways, including like my body. If I'm not really feeling good and if I'm mentally not in the right space, I can feel it in my body. I can feel it in my knee. I would have knee pain. Probably I'm a bit more mindful now at recognizing the patterns that, okay, I'm tense on code. It would manifest in my body. But yeah, over the years, it's definitely a lot of mental work. And I would say that's been my biggest challenge. Physically, I'm fairly strong. I've been naturally blessed with a lot of good genes and I've thoroughly made full use of it. But mentally, it definitely has been a challenge. And fortunately for me, my mother's always been there guiding me towards the mental side of things. And that's helped me a lot. I'm glad there was that realization to get mentally stronger, because at times if you don't find out why you're not succeeding, then, you know, it can be a giant mystery for all of life. But just the fine distinction between mental conditioning, if we can call that a term, and mindfulness would you like to separate the two in any way? Is there a difference? Strength is something that you kind of push through things and you just work your mind and you kind of talk yourself through things. But mindfulness for me is being aware, completely aware of your body and your reactions and your thoughts. And I'm a bit of an overthinker. <laughs> so it's quite natural for me to like be very analytical about things that are happening, not just outside, but also within my body and my thoughts. So I can go like really far in terms of, okay, this is happening, that's happening, but also being really aware of what's happening with my body. Well, that's an important distinction, surely. And I hope people listening realize that they need to do both, perhaps. So it's a big world, the mental world, but there's mental strength and conditioning. And there's mindfulness, as you said, holistic awareness of where am I, who am I, etc. And perhaps even visualization, which <laughs> is a big technique used in the world of sport or elsewhere, where you kind of visualize your path and your journey and everything else. Have you been through that as well? 
I did, especially when I was younger. I did a lot of visualization. But visualization also involves a lot of imagination. <laughs> it you can know? run riot, huh? Yeah, so it's tricky because <laughs> I'd say that sometimes it's easier when you have clarity than it's like, yeah, you're visualizing or you're working with someone and they guide you through your visualization. It's easy. But at times it's also hard because you could want certain things, but visualizing that path is the trickiness. But if you can do that, it makes it more easier for you to like work towards things. Well, no easy solution in this world. All right, I'm going to move on to the fabulous successes. You talked about the Commonwealth Gold in 2010. It was under home conditions, so surely there was some more support around you. But to my mind, even more was going where no Indian badminton doubles player had gone before in 2011, wasn't it? Yeah. The World Championship bronze, you and Juala. I mean, for us who follow sport closely, that was a fabulous moment for both of you individually and for the country's badminton. Talk us a little more about that particular tournament and what you felt after getting a medal at the World Championship. I thoroughly enjoyed the 2011 World Championship experience, apart from the fact that we did well. I would say it was the entire experience in the entire tournament and that's what makes it extra special. I think it's really important because sometimes you have like wins and you're like, oh, you won the medal, but you haven't really enjoyed the journey. And at the 2011 World Championship, I remember Juala and I having a lot of fun, enjoying ourselves. But when we were on court, we were really focused and really like we knew what we needed to do. But one particular thing definitely stands out in mind for me, which made a huge difference. We had Declan who was traveling with us for that tournament. And there's something that he told me at the start of the tournament that I followed throughout the tournament. And he was like, Ashwini, no matter what, walk tall. Don't look down. Just make sure you're walking tall and you've got your head up and your eyes up. And the entire tournament, no matter what, I didn't do this. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, I'm going to be looking up. I'm going to be looking tall. And I don't know if that made a difference, but it was very empowering because he's like, okay, you're looking down, you're going to like go in. You're looking up, you're going to breathe out, you're going to be like taking more air. And that is something that definitely stands out for me from the 2011 World Championship. And I will never forget it because I remember the minute that was said to me, the entire tournament, I was walking like this, no matter what. <laughs> like even if I made a mistake, I didn't let that get to me because I was walking tall, so... Yeah, that was, that was pretty special. Yeah, it's for actually us. a pretty popular series of movies as well, Walking Tall. But anyway, <laughs> just remembered. But it's an important realization, or should we say advice at that point of time, which surely worked for you then. I'm sure it'll work for all those who are listening as well, not to be a shrinking violet, but to be out there and strong. And I suppose, would it also translate to have a lot of self-confidence and self-belief? Because, I mean, that is another uh, synonym for walking tall. That's definitely needed, especially in sport, in life, in anything that you're doing. It's really important to be confident. And also, it's important to find ways in which you can switch that on. So you're not feeling good. There are ways in which you can take deep breaths, open out your chest and just be tall. And that's a way to like switch on the confidence button. And I would say subconsciously that worked because I wasn't conscious about what I was doing. I just did what I was asked to do. And it definitely helped. Even now, I know that you stand tall, you walk tall. You don't shrink in. You don't get into that negative slumber. Well, yeah. That's so important for everybody listening, you know, because negativity is like a whirlpool sucks you down all the time. And win or lose, walk tall. Also a little more on partners because badminton or singles in any sport is a very limiting kind of journey. But when you're in a doubles career or a team career in sport, it requires different skills because you really have to be 100% with your partner 
win, lose, day in, day out. And how was that journey at that time with Jwala, who, of course, I presume also walked tall? Yeah, Jwala has always been one to walk tall. She's always been confident. She's always been bold and she's always been very vocal. I was playing with a partner who had a lot of confidence, who'd been there, who had already done well by the time I'd started playing with her. So that helped a lot because I'm someone who's normally very mellow and who doesn't really speak out much. So it's quite nice having a partner who was... That's like a yin and yang. Yeah. About not speaking and speaking out loud for Jwala. <laughs> yeah, who was pretty, I mean, bold and vocal about her thoughts, whereas I was someone who kept things in a lot. But walked tall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you also played a fair amount of mixed doubles, which in badminton is played in all the major tournaments. And I believe you did have a reasonable success with Satvik. Yeah. But did you not deliberately focus on that? Was it the lack of a regular partner? What was the mixed doubles journey for you? I would say for me, mixed doubles was never really how women's doubles was. I've always been very strong at the back of the court. If you watch women's doubles, mixed doubles, there's a huge difference. In mixed doubles, the guy is always at the back and the girl's always at the net. And when I played women's doubles, my role was always at the back. So it's very tricky for me to play mixed doubles because... Both of I you would... found yourself at the back. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it was something that was very, very hard for me to trust that there was a partner who was strong enough to cover the back and for me to move into the net. But throughout my career so far, my main emphasis has always been women's doubles. And mixed doubles was basically dabbling a bit here and there, training a little bit, but not entirely focusing on mixed so even when Satik and I did play well, it wasn't like we focused on mixed. He was still focusing on his men's doubles. I was still focusing on my women's doubles. But then we were lucky that things clicked the times that they did. So you, of course, have gone through quite a few partners uh, in time. Siki and you played quite a bit. I suppose you kept to the left and right <laughs> combination. That's always useful. And now it's Tanisha, who you play a lot more with. So how's that journey been with different partners? And, and where are you now in your career? Well, every time you change partners, it's tricky. And for me, when Jwala and I were playing, things were very natural. We kind of clicked on court and things worked. Our game styles complemented each other. With Siki, it was a bit more work because Siki also liked going at the back and playing at the back of the court. So we would find ourselves at times with both of us at the back and both of us at the net. It was a good partnership as well. But right now I'm playing with Tanisha, who is just about 20 years old. It's nice partnering with someone who's young. She's got all this energy and enthusiasm and excitement to be on court, which I love because I'm like, I have a partner who's very excited to be on court and who's really gunning to do very well. And having been on the circuit for such a long time, it's very refreshing to play with someone young and energetic on court because I'm taking in that energy as well because it motivates me to be on court and put in the work and just get into the grind. Well, I'm not suggesting that there's a generation gap, but you're not as young as Tanisha. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what are the essential differences? Is there a gap in terms of the way she handles life and her training and everything else and you? I think there is. There's a huge gap because I feel like kids today have things handed over to them quite a bit. So they don't appreciate it as much, but we didn't really have a choice. You just had to work. It's good and bad. It's good because kids today can also look after their body better and be more mindful with their approach. But it's also tricky because that mindfulness can sometimes lead to like a lot of mindfulness and less training. Yeah, it's different by leaps and bounds, actually, because when I was younger, I remember all of us trained a lot and the training was very intense. We did a lot of running. We did a lot of very intense training. 
But Tanisha's batch now has got like a better approach to the way they train. It's a lot more mindful. They don't do training the way we trained in terms of the crazy running that we had done. I remember at that time, all of us joked that we were more athletes than badminton players because that's how much we ran. But now they don't do that. So I think it's helping them as well. Well, that does bring me into the next sphere of wellness because there's a lot to be said for physical wellness. And you, of course, being a top-level sports person, have been through all of that. Now you mentioned Tanisha is going through something else, which surely is scientific, but maybe not that harsh set of training that you went through. So tell us a little more about the physical requirements of top-level sports persons in what are physically very tough sports. And of course, to people listening, your advice on what they should focus on when it comes to being fitter, healthier in a physical sense. Being an elite athlete, it's very important to be very physically strong and be mindful of the sport you're playing, especially as a sports person. But things have changed over the years from when I was younger and I think across sports, all of us trained the same. We had like this training routine that everyone did and all of us followed that. Much more sports specific now? Yes, which is great to see because then you see less injuries happening. But overall, I would say my approach to fitness has changed. Just back to the kind of training that you do now and recommend to those who may not be playing top level badminton, but which you know is beneficial. Being mindful. It's not about doing fancy exercises, but about doing exercises that's needed for your body. So it's very important to get someone you can trust in terms of training or experiment yourself with your body and to see what... understand your body exactly, first. Exactly. Mm. And to see what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Nowadays, you have a lot of fitness exercises out there, different forms of fitness that you can do and different forms of ways to get fit and work out and stay healthy. But they're all different. Well, give us some that you feel are obviously beneficial and some that you have to be really careful about. You have Pilates, you have aerial yoga, you have yoga, you have dance, Zumba, you have all these different fitnesses, right? But sometimes, like if you take Zumba, it's quite energetic. So I'd say one standard thing that's good for everyone is to have that basic level of strength and conditioning to do in order to do your other forms of activity, be it sports, be it Something fun like dancing and Zumba, that's important because you can't just rely on one. The base element for all the sports, having your strength and conditioning going, which is going to the gym and doing a basic level of gym workouts. That's your legs, your arm strength, your core strength, your back strength, so that you can look after all the other physical activities that you'd like to do, which help you to stay fit. Which do you find the toughest grind in terms of exercise? Oh, gosh, not that again. For me, it's definitely running. <laughs> definitely <laughs> Done running. enough for a lifetime. Yeah. The reason why I never enjoyed running was also because I was expected to run really fast. I couldn't slack off. Once you'd get onto the track, everyone would be cribbing about having to start. But the minute the whistle was blown, everyone's running fast. And you had to keep leadership of the pack. So yes. that's a little bit of a pressure. Yes. All right. I'm going to switch to something which is equally important for holistic wellness and certainly for success in sport, nutrition and supplements. What is your take on where you are nutritionally right now? Do you eat very selectively and would you recommend that? Or do you have an easier set of food habits? And of course, what's your take on supplements for just remaining healthier? I've always had a very easy approach to nutrition. And that's probably one of the reasons why I'm a bit more mindful about what I eat. And at times I can also stray away from what I'm eating. But I've realized that it's important to strike a balance and not be too hard and too strict with what you're eating. Because if you break that habit, then you crash. 
Like if you're really strict with what you're doing and you're not really kind with yourself in terms of what you're eating, if you break that, then you end up also falling and going the other extreme. So for me, over the years, it's really being aware of what I'm eating. But at the same time, I have days when I just eat absolute regular food. I would say. It's a regular food. Uh, Yeah, but... I mean, eating regular food is not bad because regular food is healthy as long as it's healthy, as long as you're not eating a lot of fried stuff, sugary stuff, and a lot is the key word here. True. Moderation, Moderation is fine. Is the key. I love that word. All right, let's deal with one final aspect, stress. Because when you were talking about food and the obsession with the right kind of food, sometimes it can lead to stress. And of course, sport itself is just so stressful, generally speaking. The key word, I suppose, pressure in the world of sport. But in life, Stress is something that you obviously advise people to keep away from. What are your methodologies, your ways of dealing with stress and staying away from it? For me, one of the best ways of dealing with stress is switching off. And one of the ways I switch off after my session is I do indulge a bit in watching drama series. (laughs) Takes me out of stress of being on court or stress of what's happening. Doing some breathing exercises, stretching, listening to stuff that helps me calm down. I would say the last three is the most important thing because that's what helps me quite a bit. Yeah, I do think that, you know, people need to probably realize that there's so much in terms of breathing techniques and flexibility because those last very long or you can ensure that you have a better sense of wellness if you do even that and nothing else because you may not have access to it. Yeah. Ashwini, we can talk endlessly, but I'd like to end with your plans hereafter because... As I've said, you're not 20 (laughs) anymore. So what does life have in store for you in the near future? Right now, my immediate goal is to do well at the Asian Games, which is up around the corner. And after that, since I've started a new partnership, is definitely go up the ladder and do well. And after that, see how the partnership goes. Definitely want to give my best and give my all to the partnership. And since I've played for a really long time, it's important for me to see how things are going. I don't really think too far, but taking it one step at a time. So can we safely presume physically, mentally, psychologically, nutritionally, and every which way, you are in a very good space right now? Yes. Ashwini, it's been a delight. We have one more segment to go through, which is a short rapid fire section. So I hope you're ready for that. Yeah. What is your favorite form of exercise? Squatting. Oh, so you're a quadzilla. Yeah. Needs to be. Okay. <laughs> How do you start an average morning? Listening to something. I have a playlist that I enjoy listening to. So it could be music. And it has some nice videos which pump you up for the day. Need that shot right away, huh? Yeah. What is your preferred method of cross-training? I would like to do some dancing. But otherwise, it's always been very badminton-oriented. We'll take dancing. Share your number one wellness mantra. I think to enjoy everything I do. The good, the bad the in-between, everything. Enjoy the journey. And forget about the destination. It'll happen anyway. And finally, what's your favorite recovery mechanism after an intense workout? Just put my feet up. Lie down against the wall. Put my feet up for about 10-15 minutes. The best way to recover. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll learn something new every day. Maybe I'll do that too. But Ashwini, thank you so much. It was fun being here with you and good luck for the Asian Games. Thank you for having me. And with that, we come to the end of today's episode of House of Wellness Season 2. Thank you, Ashwini, for gracing us with your inspiring insights. Quite a journey. Your story is a true testament to the power of perseverance and holistic well-being. We also want to express our appreciation to all of you who tuned in today. We hope this episode has inspired you and helped you 
Take away key learnings from Ashwini's journey. Remember, it all starts with you. So be kind and be well. Until next time, goodbye. You were listening to House of Wellness Season 2, powered by Himalaya Wellness Company, streaming on Geo Savan.